0: When writing a story, how important is the title or a character's name? Before it was War and Peace, Tolstoy called his novel 1805. George Orwell's 1984 was The Last Man in Europe, and one of the biggest-selling books of all time was initially named after its lead character, Pansy, who then became Scarlett O'Hara. Would they have been as successful had the names not been changed? How does East Side Story sound to you? It began in 1949 when choreographer Jerome Robbins had an idea to set Shakespeare's Romeo and Juliet in Manhattan's Lower East Side. Updating it meant Juliet would be a Holocaust survivor and the conflict would centre on Jewish and Catholic families during the concurrent religious festivals of Passover and Easter. Robbins talked to writer Arthur Lawrence, who had just gotten his first film credit on Alfred Hitchcock's Rope. Lawrence liked the idea. He was eager to do a musical, so they approached Leonard Bernstein, who said it should be an opera and there the project foundered. Five years later, the three men met again, at which point Lawrence suggested dropping the religious element and exploring a secular route. Juliette was no longer Jewish but Puerto Rican, and her name was Maria. I'll never stop saying Maria. 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 Maria, Maria. Within 18 months, they had a workable book, and in September 1957, it opened on Broadway's Winter Garden Theatre. An instant hit, it was snapped up by Hollywood, and the film version was premiered in New York 50 years ago last Tuesday. Tonight, tonight. It may seem odd now, but the film's guiding director, Robert Wise, had to fight to film on location. Musicals have never been about realism, and Wise wasn't going for that. He wanted something almost abstract, and so we have an opening that is brilliant in conception, execution and tension. Aerial shots bring us across Manhattan, and so we get near-vertigo-inducing views of Battery Park, Yankee Stadium, the UN Building and Columbia University. Geographically, it is all over the place, but that does not matter because the movement is always to the left, closer and closer to the streets until we arrive down on the west side and into the basketball courts of the Jets. And then, with simple crisp editing, all cued by the snapping of fingers, we see the gang. This finger snapping is ambiguous. Is it supposed to be intimidating or cool? The uncertainty is coupled by compositions that were heavily influenced by an American painter who was quite popular in the 1950s. Robert Vickery often depicted on nerving shadow street and near empty streets, peppered by children at play, and it is all quite eerie. That unease is offset by the costumes designed by Arine Sharaf. Sharaf was one of the American greats. Winner of five Oscars, her best work was in musicals. Here her work is neatly coded and deeply layered. She took the storyline's Romeo and Juliet parallels literally and meticulously studied men's clothes from the Italian Renaissance and used hooded windbreakers to link Verona in the 1600s to New York street gangs in the 1950s. The Sharks prefer narrow shirts in pinks, purples and reds with black pegged chinos and converse runners while the Jets favour yellows, greens and oranges in blue cuffed jeans and Keds sneakers. But this is not a fashion show, it's a musical and Bernstein's score, coupled with lyrics by Stephen Sondheim, is the definition of landmark. Miss America, bravo, speech! Speech! I feel pretty, oh so pretty the city should give me its keys. should be to And of course the choreography by Jerome Robbins is superb. And the energy it generates is more than contagious. Especially so when Robert Wise carefully punctuates the full width of the screen, positioning the actors as though they were notes on the stave. Almost all the disciplines of cinema are employed to the full. Cinematographer Daniel L. Fapp received one of the film's ten Oscars, and at crucial moments, he neatly vignettes the widescreen format so that large areas are misted over, leaving exclusively small spots clear for our attention. It's a trick that can be traced back to the earliest days of cinema, and even earlier, to when singers were placed in spotlight on the stage. But once the music stops and the action quietens down, the acting simply doesn't hold. Natalie Wood as Maria and Richard Boehmer as Tony are both risable. Neither of them could sing and had to be dubbed. So we thank the Lord for Rita Moreno as Anita. She is fantastic. Yet no one has ever explained just how George Shakiris was cast as Bernardo. he had appeared as an uncredited background extra in 14 films before landing the role and then nabbing an Oscar. Talk about burglary. But really, who cares if you have music like this? (laughs)